0: News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio. Where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. Welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. With me, like always, Rick and Jill Van Dijvendyk. But p- today, by the phone, they're joining me because uh, Rick is at home right now and Jill is over in Edmonton for some exciting stuff with her, with her kids. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. So here we are. We're getting step by step closer to Christmas. That's getting exciting. And how many trees we got left in the garden center right now?
1: Uh, getting down a, there. I was was
2: probably about fifty trees, I would say.
1: No, more than that, I think. More than that. More than that, 50, you think? There's about fifty trees on the what I call on the wall. That's my extras that I have on the side that I put up there. There used to be a lot lot more there, but there's about probably about fifty left. So we're by the end of today the there won't be much left there.
0: Wow, that's that's crazy. Yeah, because of, of course we've got shopping that's going to go on today. People are going to stop by and get their Christmas tree today. So we thought we'd go over, you know, some of those general tips that we've been talking about before about how to take care of your Christmas tree and what yeah. to do if it's not sucking up water. So when they get that Christmas tree, whether it's from Dutch growers or it's from another tree stand somewhere, what's the first step, Rick?
1: First step is uh, like people were picking trees yesterday, so pick the find the tree that that weighs the most. That's what I would say. Mm, okay, so yeah. you find, find trees that are kind of all, you know, apples with apples, so same size trunks, everything else. Yep. Yeah. And then and then kind of give them a little lift. If they feel heavy, that means the moisture content is still high. And and, and, and if the moisture content is high, it will keep the needles longer. Okay, that's that's an easy way to figure that one out. Uh, and after that, um, just watch. If there's some brown needles and a, and a few green needles falling off the tree, that's normal okay that's the tree's been cut okay. right so it's, right. It, it, it's normal, but if you've got massive amount of green ones, then then you have to get it into water right away and and uh, um, but uh, you may have you may that tree might not last as long in the house so make sure the other you thing
2: too is Rick, before you get into the house, you want to make sure you're doing a fresh cut on the bottom of the tree that's really, uh, really important, and if you're getting it cut at the garden center or the store. Um, and then it's a long drive home where it's sitting for a while. You'll want to do another fresh cut before it goes on the stand.
1: Yeah. As long as you put it in within like three or four hours, mm-hmm. then, then you're okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, right. But okay. If, but if you're not, if you're getting cut and then not putting it up to the next day, then you'll have to make another cut.
0: Okay. So we got the thing cut, and yep. it's going to go into the tree stand. What do we do when it's not sucking up water?
1: Yeah, well, the first few days, it's going to suck water like Crazy, okay. and the and the key is is try not to let that tree stand dry out even once. Because what happens is that if you let it dry out, you'll actually it's, it's like a capillary action that, that just sucks the water up to the tree, and you might get some air pockets in in the vessels of the tree. And if you get an air pocket, it's like an airlock, and it won't suck water anymore. Right. Okay. So that's why it's important to keep it full, uh, especially for the first. Th- uh, three or four days, it's going to suck a lot of water to try to rehydrate. And then after that, keep it. But if it doesn't want to suck water, then what I do is I take a, my little um, battery power drill, and I just put a a half-inch bit into it or, you know, three-eighths bit, and I drill into the side of the trunk on an angle just below the water level. And that way, you can try to open up some pores again. Okay, yep. And then that way, it'll, a lot of times, it will start sucking water again. Okay, because you're you're actually drilling the holes underwater, so you're not getting into that air pockets that can happen, that can get caught up into the tree, and then it can just start sucking again.
0: So just basically reintroducing water into the side of it, that way it can pull yep. it up to the top of the tree. Exactly. Awesome, awesome. Yep. Okay. Yep.
1: And
3: then
2: you can also those products that you can put into the water that help it stay open and, and um, give the tree a little bit more, so that it it lasts a little bit longer too. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's like that Christmas tree preservative, or if you have little those little packets left over that you got from, you know, from cut flowers, you know that you, you can put that in there. It's so basically mm-hmm. the same stuff, and it helps, just keeps the pores open, yes. The whole trick with aspirins and that kind of stuff, some people say they work, but most people say they don't work.
0: Oh, really? Yeah gotcha okay so pick smart pick a, a heavy tree today if you're going out looking for one uh making sure that cut is fresh and then using that tree tree preservative and then yep. what to do of course if it decides not to suck water but the most important thing obviously is making sure that the you know the dog isn't drinking all the water out of the the bowl or you know that sort of thing that it it's actually staying
1: hydrated, right? My, my dog was in there drinking right away. Like, instantly on Monday. <laughs>
2: Good old Max. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is just like when you have a pet, if you are going away for a couple of days, like, I wanted to put my Christmas tree up last week, but I knew I was going to be going away for four days. So I'm waiting until Monday to put it up. So just know that those first few days are so so important. Mine was drinking up to four liters of water a day wow. um, for the first four days. So it's it's I and mean, my tree wasn't that big. It's maybe a six seven foot tree. So um, yeah, it's really important that you keep that tree hydrated, especially for those first couple days.
0: One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. That's how you join the conversation. Give us a call, give us a text, uh both with that using that number, and we'd love to talk to you on Garden Talk today. We got a text in this morning from Barry who's in Kindersley. It says good morning. My Colorado spruce are buried in snowbanks. So they're like I guess they got enough snow around there, and they have gotten more than a lot of places in the province. Uh buried in snowbanks, will they be okay for the winter or should I dig them out?
1: No, no, perfect. Just leave them like that. Where, the, where they have trouble is actually in in March or the first week of April, when the snow starts melting and and the, and the top of the tree sticks out of the snow, then you have issues because so the best thing to do then is that either um, either take some, some um, if you have some topsoil, you might have in house <laughs> that's what I always tell people live on acreages, put some topsoil and some pails and put it in the garage somewhere, but or otherwise take some wood ash or anything that would darken the snow. And throw it over top of the snow, around, or just around a circle around each spruce, and then you'll stop that reflection of sun off of the off the snow, and will burn the tips as the tips stick out of the snow later on in March. Mm-hmm. This, okay. But this time this time of the year, the snow—I even noticed the other day I was driving into town—the uh, solar panels weren't even melting the snow off of them because there's just not the sun's just not intense enough.
0: Well, it's been so frigidly cold too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess the only thing to worry about with if it being in a snowbank is don't pile, you know, don't have a, a front end loader dump a pile of snow on top of those trees, right?
1: Then you'll break the branches. And uh, also, best to not don't don't be having your kids play around them because then you'll pack the snow around them. Yes. And then make a little hard crust around them. You don't want to do that. Just as long as the snow just fell naturally, or you has some wind wind drifts around them that's that's all perfect
0: right so just making sure it's not getting packed or stomped or trampled yep. or or dumped on then we should be totally okay and that's a that's a good thing
1: yeah awesome all, it's not, yep perfect because actually the snow is a great insulator to actually protect those plants
0: Awesome. one we are going to talk about a few things today. Uh, of course, we're going to take your calls and your texts as well, but we're going to talk a bit about house plants. Uh, maybe if you are going to get neglected and I noticed some of mine are <laughs> at home, uh, what to look for with bugs. And if you've got questions about bugs you're seeing in your house plants inside, uh, it's a good time to give us a call. We're going to touch on that. Uh, what happens when you take that poinsettia through the cold? Uh, is it still looking pretty good? How to take care of it? Your amaryllis as well. So a few things we're going to touch on today. You can always join the conversation at one 332 So, guys, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about how to take care of that amaryllis bulb. Right, Jill? Yes,
2: we are. We're going to learn how to make it grow, make it last as long as we can, and uh, how to enjoy the beauty.
0: Okay, guys, stick around and give us a call. 1-877-332-8255. i am Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. Thanks for joining us on Garden Talk here in 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas here with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. Is it just me or guys with the, you know, the older you get, it seems like the faster time goes. <laughs> I'm serious. Absolutely. You know, I, I feel it's like true. Christmas is just rushing up on us here. I got this big list of things I got to do. We Actually, my wife and I did manage to get Christmas shopping done yesterday, but now there's the wrapping and there's cookies to make and there's this and the other thing and, you know, getting the house ready and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I remember as a kid, like it, the last four weeks before Christmas just dragged on. You know, you could hardly wait for it to be Christmas. And get that, you know, that Christmas break and all the fun that happened. And man, it's like now I don't have enough time. <laughs> so, yeah, time seems to fly, doesn't it? Yep. it
2: flies well, so quick. And I think because when when you're busy or too, it seems to fly even faster. And during the holidays, we definitely tend to pack as much in as we can.
0: No doubt, no doubt.
1: But to look on the good side, I think it there's only 19 more days until we get to the shortest daylight, and then we start getting each day. Longer daylight, so they get ready for spring again.
0: That I'm very excited for because I'll, I'll tell you, uh, maybe other people aren't as affected, but for me, certainly that like seasonal affective disorder that you know the darkness makes me tired, <laughs> yeah. and it makes me want to just sit down and I don't know eat. That's all, you know. You just kind of feel lazy and lethargic, and yet in the middle of summer when uh, when it's you know nine o'clock at night and the light is still up, I'll go mow the lawn. Nine o'clock right now, this time of year, I can barely keep my eyes open. So. <laughs>
2: It's true. It's true. The struggle is real there. that <laughs> struggle um, is
0: real, yeah.
2: <laughs> definitely. It's so nice going into the greenhouse some mornings when it's nice and dark, and um, you sit down at your desk, and you're going through confirmations of spring, and you're thinking, my goodness, we're going to be starting to fire the greenhouses up in just like 14 weeks, or um, these are the dreaming about the plants that you, you have coming into your yard. That's something that a lot of people are doing. They're on Pinterest and they're on Instagram and they're starting to pit and they're starting to make different different dream books of what they can put in their yard or um, a lot of people have scrapbooks that they've made with, like, leaves or different notes that they've had from their garden throughout, from throughout the years. Um, what's done well, what hasn't. And... Um, Those are some great things that we can do and reminisce over the winter season. Just make sure to get excited about spring when these these days can be quite dark.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Okay, well, we've got a couple of things to talk about here. We've got uh, a call in. We're going to do that here first. Then we're going to get back to uh, uh, amaryllis care and kind of wrap up what we were talking about with our tree stuff just a little bit here, too. So let's go right now to the phones out to McLean and talk to Nadine. Good morning, Nadine.
3: Good morning i see you are bothered by the short days same as i am
0: <laughs> yeah no doubt
3: anyways and my question is about my christmas cactus i've got two one of them has kind of a orangish reddish blooms and it bloomed quite nicely and it had lots of little buds and i thought oh that's going to keep up for such a while well those little buds all fell off now what made them fall off now there could be a couple things that made them fall off either they
2: were um stressed in a situation where Maybe they went a little bit too dry while they were in that bud form. So that can be one thing that can happen. Or another thing, it was
3: repotted. Did you repot it at all? No, maybe they were too dry. That makes sense. I thought maybe they were too wet, but probably too dry. Yes, yeah, so and sometimes if it's too wet, it will do
2: the same thing, but keeping that watering consistent. But so when your Christmas cactus is in bloom, it does need a little bit more water than when it's not in bloom. So that's something to keep in mind. But just remember, it's still a cactus, so you're not watering a lot. You still want the soil to feel slightly dry between between
3: waterings, but when it's in bloom, do not let it go bone dry. like Because my second uh, Christmas cactus has the pinkish blooms, and yeah. I make sure to order that one uh, carefully because it really needs more water than your regular cactuses do. And it's yeah, and you'll, you'll find long, so that each of, your plants, going. Each, each of your plants are going to require
2: different care. I have one plant sitting on one side of my windowsill that's in exactly the same pot and another one that's on the other side of the windowsill, and I water them both differently. So it's really important to be checking each individual plant and watering them as they need it rather than just watering
3: them on a schedule and watering them at the same time. Okay, so and another so question figure i figured that out here. Orchids, do they fall off when you give them too much water? Because my orchid was really nice, and all of a sudden all the blossoms just fell off.
2: Yes, they definitely will. Remember, orchids have their roots on them, um, so they don't like a lot of water. Um, so a lot of people will uh, soak them in the sink even or set them in the sink or bottom water them. Um, maybe once every two weeks. Um, or you can give them a little bit of water, like once a week to once every
3: two weeks. But they don't like a lot of water either. Well, so I guess I overdid it for them then. Too much for my organ, too little for my Christmas calendar. (laughs) (laughs) If you
2: had the blossoms fall off, though, you definitely can take them out of that pot, take the moss off, and maybe trim some of those rotting roots, set it back in, and you might get another flower spike out of it fairly soon.
3: Oh, okay. 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 Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Nadine. Take take care. Have a good Christmas.
0: You too. All right. Bye now. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We wanted to pick back up uh, Rick with some of the stuff we were talking about before we went to the break, which was you know snow. Uh, it was kind of based on Barry's text about his Colorado spruce that were buried in the snow banks. Yeah. You've seen also the opposite too.
1: Yeah, out out of the out of my acres, the wind was howling so hard the other day that it actually blew one one of my shrub beds. It blew the snow right off of it. Oh. So I ended up going out there with my shovel, and I actually brought kind of all snow and covered my plants because I had some hydrangeas in that bed, and I had to recover them up again. And so that's important, too. So if you see that, especially, I mean, we've had lots of snow, but we also had lots of wind, especially down in the southern part of the province. Uh, if you do get an area that gets windswept, then make sure you cover those plants up again.
0: Mm, gotcha. So what do we do if you know uh, if we're in a situation where something is in a snowbank, or it maybe it could be just wind, and we have something break? Because I know a lot of what's happening or tends to happen now is we get a heavy snowfall, say on a cedar, and it pulls it all down apart, might break some branches, or we get a super strong wind. Uh, I noticed the wind was howling last night, and uh, we get some broken branches in the cold. What do we do with that?
1: Yeah, so in, in cedar cases, I get we get that call all the time you know, where, they, where they're starting to do the splits, you know. Yeah, and uh, and start to open up. So the best way to do that there is just uh, is just take some uh, a pair, uh, some old like a twine or because you're only going to tie them up until spring. You can use some string. You can use some old pantyhose. You can use some soft tie. Anything you can do to, to be able to pull them together and. Um, if you find that it's, it's uh, if, it's, if you, you don't want to happen is the wind blows, you don't want the, the string to be doing a, a, a saw motion where it's cutting into the bark. So you may have to, if you've got some spots where it's actually, you know, right on the bark and causing some friction, you may have to put a little piece of cloth between the rope and the trunk, and then that'll keep it so that it'll it'll, it'll protect the trunk. But other than that, you can do hold them together that way, and if you've got a branch that's broken on, let's say, an apple tree or a linden tree or whatever, uh you can just, if they're broken off, you can just actually take your saw out there and give them a trimming. So that what I don't want to happen is that with all the snow and everything else, that actually, because a lot of times they're just hanging on by one side of the bark, okay? So you don't want to happen is that you get more wind or some more snow that rips that bark right down the trunk. So you want to cut it off so it doesn't make it worse.
0: Oh, okay, yeah.
1: Okay. And that's about it. You can do for right now. If you uh, just let it let it dry, and in the spring, if you want it, if it's a bigger wound, you can clean it up in the spring, and also take some pruning paint and just spray it up. If it's a big, big wound, you can spray it up with some pruning paint in the spring as well.
0: All right, perfect. Okay, so that's what to do. Uh, why don't we keep going? one 332 8255 We wanted to start a bit of a t- uh, talk, Jill, about what to do with your amaryllis. We've got a couple of minutes before we got to go to our news update break, but we can kind of get uh, get started anyways. Amaryllis are the big bulbs, right?
2: Yeah, they're the big bulbs that you see in a lot of the stores right now, and they're, they're turning into a well-known Christmas flower that you can give as a hostess gift or a teacher's gift or just something small that people will will grow and they can see the progression of it through the Christmas season. So it's just, I really find that amaryllis ball very exciting because you plant them as a bulb, they will slowly get the stalks and the leaves, and then the flower, and my amaryllis bulb bloomed for about two months after Christmas as well too. It just had one stalk bloom and then another stalk bloom right after. Um, When you're picking your bulb, you want to make sure your bulb is nice and firm. Um, The larger the bulb, the larger the flowers you're going to have, because that means that the bulb is generally older. Um, And then when you're picking a pot, so we want the pot to be about um, an inch in diameter bigger than what the bulb is. So you don't need a very big pot. You could also plant these in rock and water too. Just set the rock down first, put the bulb on top of the rock, and then just make sure you don't fill the water up in the vase or the container past where um, the bulb is sitting. You just want the roots in the water not bulb actually sitting in the water. So those are different ways that you can plant them. Um, And then... When you're caring for them, you just water them every once in a while if they're in soil. Um, stick your finger in the soil. When the soil feels dry to the touch, water them. They're bulbs, so you don't want to keep them too moist. Um, you can fertilize them every once in a while too. Now you can also get the wax, the bulbs with the wax around them. The wax has held in the moisture of the bulbs, so they don't need any more. Um, moisture. So you can just mm-hmm. let them grow up um, and bloom and they can sit in any arrangement. So a lot of people will, I just made some with my friends that just have the bulb sitting and then we put oasis and live greens around it so that it just looks like a pretty centerpiece. So lots of things that you can do there. Um, now remember when you're grabbing your amaryllis bulb or if you've had an amaryllis bulb, they do need a cool period to be able to, um, to bloom again. So if you're saving one from previous years, they do need to be forced, which means putting them in a cold fridge or freezer for about eight weeks. Um, not a freezer, sorry, a cold fridge for about eight weeks to help them reset again for next year. So, that is kind of the key for it. Um, they're, they're really easy. It sounds like a lot, but it's actually a really easy plant to stuff about on your container and enjoy the boom.
0: Okay, hey, we're going to take a quick break. News update for everybody, and we're going to pick up with poinsettia care, frost damage, bugs in the house. We'll get to all that in a little bit. Join the conversation, one 332 I'm Jay Thomas with Rick and Jill. This is Garden Talk on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Well, seeing a bit of a warm up around the province I'm Jay Thomas. welcome back to Garden Talk with me always Rick and Jill and we've had some pretty cold temperatures and now we're seeing a few well, maybe warmer ones come up a little bit, which is sort of a nice reprieve <laughs> but uh, uh you know uh, things are things
1: are staying pretty steady, I think right? yeah, it's normal saskatchewan yeah. up and down <laughs> December's always a yo yo so it's up and down
0: yeah, it is and so let's say we're taking home uh, one of our very traditional plants, right? We think about all the Christmas plants that are out there. We talked about the amaryllis already, but probably the most you know, uh, uh, popular one, and has been for a while, is a poinsettia, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Poinsettias are so popular this year, and uh, we'll go over some tips on what to look for when you're picking your poinsettia. So first of all, what I look for is a poinsettia that has either green leaves all the way to the bottom, or the bracts, or the leaves. Um, are have turned red already. So the the red part of the set is actually the leaf turning colour, it's not the flower. So you want to make sure that it's got a nice full right to the bottom. That means the plant's been grown with lots of space, um, it hasn't been pushed together where it's getting light all the way down to the bottom. If you see the bottom leaves falling off, it's usually because it's been in a tightly packed area for a long time and those leaves are just going to drop. Um, And and then what you're going to look for is like little balls in the center of the the bracts at the top. And those are actually the flower that's going to be opening. And so if those balls are closed, um, they'll be nice tight balls, and then that means that they're um, they're gonna last a lot longer. The balls will slowly open and turn yellow, and uh, they still last a long time. But uh, but as they open and turn yellow, that's the actual flower blooming. So a lot of people don't know that about points that point as they assume that the the red leaves are the actual flower. Um, the next thing is when you're taking your points out, I remember that they are from a very hot place like Mexico or the southern, um, very far down south. So uh, when we take them outside and uh, and let them experience our cold, they don't like that so much. And they are quite sensitive to the cold because their leaves are such a thin papery um, texture. Um, so make sure you cover them. Uh, If you're going to a store that maybe doesn't wrap their plants or a garden center, bring a blanket with you um, or a box or a Rubbermaid. um, That will definitely help. I see a lot of people walking out in the minus 30 with just like a plastic bag over top of them. Now, unless that plastic bag has an air pocket between the plant and it, it's actually not going to do any help to the plant other than maybe block the wind and help with that wind chill a little bit. Right. Um, Now, one of the things, Jay, that you were mentioning is, like, you might have got one delivered to your house. Maybe they they took it from the store. It was wrapped nicely They to the house for a few days and then brought it to your house. Um, And so they walk up to your step with this beautiful poinsettia, and it looks great. And you know what? That poinsettia is probably going to look great for maybe about two, three, sometimes even four days. And then you'll start noticing that on the poinsettia, you'll start getting brown tips. To the end of the point, end of the, the leaves on the poinsettia, and that's the frost damage that you're starting to see there. So when those leaves start turning brown or black or a crispy color, that's when you know that your plant has had frost damage. So those are kind of the signs to look for. If you see that it's just not that bad, just pinch those leaves off, and then it will allow for the plant to sort of just start rejuvenating and providing you with some more leaves.
0: Can we can we simply just trim the edges of those leaves if it's not very su- uh, serious? You
2: can do that. Now, poinsettia leaves are going to bleed with little white sap. So that's just something to keep in mind, too, that uh, you'll want to make sure that it's kind of away from any furniture or anything if you're going to be trimming the leaves
3: Ooh, of the poinsettia.
2: Okay. And I, um, some people are sensitive to the, the sap in them. Like they get irritated by it. So then I would just make sure that you wear gloves if you're going to be doing that, too. Um and um, one thing I like to point out is, too, when you're watering them, remember, they are from this dry climate. So make sure they go a little bit dry between watering. So stick your finger in that soil, let them dry out. And a lot of times they're in a de- decorative pot or hat. Um, we actually take those decorative hats off in the greenhouse because the wa- they'll sit in the water too much. And they really do not like having wet feet. So after you've watered it, make sure you let it sit. Let the water drain to the bottom of the hat or the pot and then take it out and empty the excess water. That's a really, really important step. Right.
0: Main point that is. I mean, you could even just put it right in the sink, water it in the sink, in the kitchen sink, yes. let it drip for maybe 20 minutes, and then drop it back in the hat and let it go, right? It should be have mostly drained out by that point, right? In the excess stuff.
2: Absolutely. And some people will use that hat as a watering tool too. We do a lot of watering, bottom watering that way. So, Phil, so put some water in the bottom of that hat set your poinsettia in it for a little bit, but then make sure you come back and set your timer on your phone and come back and empty the excess water. It's really important.
1: Right, right. Now, now Jill, one question we get around the garden center every year is, are poinsettias safe for my pets and kids?
2: And poinsettias, they have this false perception that they're poisonous. Um, uh, with with every pet um, and some kids, they're, you can be sensitive to different things, but poinsettias actually are not poisonous. So that is something, a lot of people see the white um, sap that comes out of them and they think that they're poisonous. You can get an irritation from them, but they are not poisonous. So that's... Just some, just some little fun fact. I suppose um,
0: if any, any dog or cat eats enough of anything, they're not going to maybe feel great, right?
2: Yeah, they're probably going to start throwing up and getting sick if they eat the whole plant, that's for sure. But,
0: but that would be no different if they ate any other house plant, right? I mean, there's... Uh,
2: exactly. And with anything, if any of your pet or your children are showing a reaction to any anything at all, make sure you do take them into a doctor and get them checked out.
0: Perfect. Okay. Uh, let's move on to... Well, let's. Go. we've got a text. Let's go there. one 332 8255 You can always text or join the conversation by calling us as well. Uh, this is from Andrew, who's in Saskatoon. and says, Hi, Rick and Jill. Past couple of winters, I've tried growing spruce trees from seed just in cell trays on the windowsill. I got familiar with stratification and uh, have had good luck getting them started. They would grow well and open up into little tiny mini trees, but they would all die at the same stage every time. I emailed a picture to you. You guys advised me it was from damping off. Do you have any tips to, uh, uh, and steps to using grow lights and air movement to, to prevent this?
1: Yeah, this, that's the key, is air movement. And um, and also, you can you can use a very mild solution of hydrogen peroxide as well and spray that on the soil. But the number one key is just a little tiny fan. You don't want the plants, you know... With a thirty-kilometer-hour wind, you know, right? <laughs> they, don't, right. They, don't, they don't need that. Just enough that you just see the little little needles on the plant just moving ever so slightly. That's all you really need, and that will help stopping that damping off hugely. And then also just watching uh, that you you're you're um, you're keeping your moisture level just right. Once they've germinated, they don't need to be that wet anymore because they've they've got a root down there. They don't really be misted on the top all the time. And so keeping that air movement so that the soil has moisture, but not the soil the surface is not really wet, and that's the key. And then you won't have that damping off. And, and then having the grow lights, especially if you want to get them to grow during the wintertime, making sure the grow lights are about basically about six inches away from the plants, and that will help them for 12 hours a day, and that will also help them keep them healthy and uh, so they won't damp off.
0: So basically you're going to have to adjust those grow lights, though, as they get up. As they Not grow easy. up, the grow yeah. lights have to move up as well, right?
1: Exactly. You're always keeping them the same distance away. So that's, that's what you need to do if you, want to, if you want them to do a lot of growing in that time of the year. But, uh, uh, but yeah, the damping off is always an issue and, uh, in, in, in every greenhouse. So we have to be on top of that and just watch, watch the humidity, watch the, uh, watch the air movement around them. is huge.
0: Okay, perfect. Let's take a quick break. Uh, we are going to come back in a second with Rhoda's text, who's uh, pardon me, Call, who's in Moose Jaw. We'll talk about her amaryllis, uh, what to do with that. We'll also get to a couple other texts that have rolled in, but stick around. Guys, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Like we said before, time flies. We're already at the last segment of Garden Talk. Good morning. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Divendyke. And let's see, what else we got here? We got another call to get to. So, guys, you ready to go? Yep. Awesome. Here we go. Rhoda is in Moose Jaw, and she's joining us right now. Good morning, Rhoda.
3: Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I'm having problems with my amaryllis, so it's kind of, if you look straight down, it looks green, but around it's brown, and it just... Seems to get browner. I cut some of the brown off. What should I do, or has it had it?
2: Is it brown brown on the leaves or the?
3: Years old, five. Is it
2: is it brown on the leaves, or is it brown on the bulb, or is it brown on the like flower on the bud? Brown
3: at the top where the leaves come out.
2: Okay. Okay. It could be a couple things. It could be that you've um, started to develop a fungus. Um, Sometimes that can that can happen over time, and sometimes that can also happen. If there's just a little bit too much moisture in that pot, so be really watching your moisture. Um, if you want to, um, as that leaf grows, you can trim those leaves, just the top of them off on an angle, and that will um, just prevent that fungus from going further into the into the plant. Um, if you have some garden sulfur spray um, or garden fungicide spray, you can spray a little bit of that on there too, and that will that will help. Um, sort of keep the fungus from spreading if that's what it is. But so most of the time when we're seeing brown on the leaves it's, um around the tips of the leaves, it's from a, like a couple things, especially if you're seeing it spreading, it's from being kept a little bit too um, wet. If you're seeing it go okay. coming out and it's crispy right away, that's usually from it being too dry. Okay, so I, water, okay. I usually water every Sunday. So yeah, so skip, just, just make sure... Today. I would just stick your finger in the soil around the bulb and make sure that soil feels quite dry to the touch. Now, Mm -hmm. just think about that amaryllis bulb and how long it can survive in between seasons without any water, right? So there is quite a bit of moisture already in that bulb. So sometimes maybe it's just not needing as much water this year Um, because that bulb over time, you said it's four years old, it's getting quite big and there's a lot of moisture already in that bulb.
1: And if you have a tray or a pot,
3: if you have a tray or a pot, Thank
1: you. Okay, okay. thanks, Rhoda. What were you going to say there, Rick? Yeah, one thing to remember if you got a tray or a pot that the water in the tray should always have some rocks in them so that the water is not actually touching the bulb. Just the roots go down into the water, but the water is not actually itself touching the bulb. That's important because a lot of people will put them in a, in, a, in a pot which doesn't have any holes in it, and so put some rocks or something in the bottom and just make sure that you you can, you can observe that the water is not touching the bulb, which is very important.
0: Okay, perfect. All right. Let's get back to what we were talking about before. We wanted to kind of pick things up here. We have, uh, we wanted to kind of get to bugs and, and our house plants, things like that. So what are we seeing this time of year, Jill?
2: Oh, um, so many things we're seeing, but biggest thing that I wanted to touch on first is um, your care for your house plants in the wintertime. Because if you keep a healthy plant in the wintertime, you are going to have um, less chance of the pests taking over. So we call this integrative pest management. It's a few different things. So um, you don't want to stress your plants in the wintertime. time. So a lot of people will think, okay, now is the best time I should transplant my plants. Um, Winter time is not necessarily the best time to transplant it, unless you're dealing with a plant that's maybe actively growing, growing and blooming, and you're wanting to transplant it in between the blooming times. Um, keep it, keep it. Uh, evenly moist, but not too much water. Remember, your most of your plants are um, their metabolisms have slowed down. Um, they're not growing very much, um, and we don't have a much sun sunlight, so they're not metabolizing the sun as much, as, as, so they don't need as much water. So it's really important to slow down your watering. If you're overwatering or underwatering your plant, to so keep things consistent, um, you're not going to see bugs as much. Um, The other thing is grouping grouping your plants together is great because it adds extra humidity and they thrive off of that. Um, And pebble trays to add some humidity into your house um, is really important. What a pebble tray is, it's just a tray um, that you put on the ground near your plants um, and you fill it with rocks and then you add some water and you set your plants on it or set your plants around it and that humidity is just going to evaporate around your plants. Um, a lot of bugs, especially spider mite, and what the sign of spider mite usually is is it almost looks like a dust on your plant um or and as fine like a webbing underneath your leaves. um and sometimes you will see pitting a little bit of pitting on your leaves too. That's called spider mite. um and a lot of times you'll see this because we've let the plant dry out a little bit too much, and we've let the leaves let this literally go down so spider mite doesn't want like humidity, and so the these pet pests start taking over our plant, so keeping the humidity high. Keeping our plants dusted and wiped off will definitely help with that. Um, If you do find spider mite on your plants, um, there's a product called Endol, um, which is a a canola oil product It's safe to use. Um, It has pyrethrin in it. So you can spray that on your plant every 10 days. And I would suggest about three treatments in your home. Um, When you're doing spraying in your home, I usually put a, a a tarp down first, or bring them right into the bathtub. I don't want to get any of um, the spray necessarily on my furniture or walls, um, and leave that little bit of residue. Um, another bug that we're seeing a lot in the winter time um, that we'll get calls for they'll say, "How come I have little cotton, um, little bits of cotton all over like my stems or in between the the, the branches coming out of the tree?" And that one's called mealy bug. And, uh, mealy bugs a little bit harder, um, to, to control just in the fact that it, it gets down to the crevices. You can get root mealy and you can also get, um, uh, mealy in your soil too. So there's a few ways that you can get rid of mealy. You can take all the old soil off, but doing that spray with, the um, with the end all definitely works or taking a q-tip with, um, with a little bit of peroxide or rubbing alcohol and kind of getting them right getting them sort of right into those crevices works really good if you have a smaller plant
3: too Mm, okay
2: Um, the other bug that we'll see in the winter time is scale um the scale we'll see a lot of times on our fiddle leaf figs and our fig plants Uh, some of our dracaenas will get scale some jade plants will get scale and what they almost look like is uh, like scabs on the plant, like hard-crusted over scabs. And um, with these ones, they're in, they have a crawling stage, and then they have this stage where they get these scabs on them. And um, because that scab has a wax coating on it, just spraying them with end is not going to treat them. You actually have to kind of lift the scab up first, and like with your fingernail, or sort of scrape it with a, with a knife and gently, um, and then spray it afterwards. So that's kind of the trick with the scale. Um, and then the last bug that I'll talk about is aphids, and a lot of us know aphids because we see them everywhere outside um, in the summertime and on our vegetables. Um, but you'll usually see those on the the new growth, and you can see aphids in either a black color or a green color. And again, if you see aphids, just spray them with the endol or insecticidal soap. Um, wait 10 days for again.
0: Okay. So it's, and it's you know really- what? I'd, I'd love to talk more, but we're okay. actually out of time.
3: <laughs> we'll have to do it later. We'll
0: have to. So thank you for joining us today. I hope we got to, we covered off most of the bugs that you might be experiencing. Otherwise, thanks. We'll see you in the same time, same place next weekend. Thanks, guys. <laughs> have a great weekend. All right. Take have care. Have
2: a good weekend. Merry Christmas.
0: Thanks for listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.